I'm the first Navy bloke in 40 years to go to, to do a, a lag in a military prison. I still suffer pretty bad post-traumatic stress and that. Chains around me, wet waist and me hands in full uniform, chains around me legs. After the blood laws, bro, I see the big change in the club and I, I didn't really like it. You weren't allowed to ride together, no colours, all that kind of stuff. It was dead set hard getting out of the club. We don't get to help people enough. In this world, that's what we're going to look towards, helping each other. Young soldier of God. Steady march. Yo, it's your boy Dave here, and this is the TFS podcast, The Fresh Start. How about you introduce yourself, brother, and where you're from? Yeah, g'day, Dave. Um, my name's Dave. I'm from Newcastle, little town, suburb, coastal town called Stockton. Yeah, I, uh, 55 years old, going on 66 now. <laughs> from New South Wales, huh? How's the yeah. so are, are, are you Are you there currently, or...? No, no, I'm, I'm up uh, in Cape York at the moment, up in Cape York, beautiful Cape York. Oh, beautiful, man. Well, um, I wish I could say I could pop in and visit you, but um, with the way things are standing with the whole deportee thing, I have to wait for you to come to New Zealand, but who knows, one day. <laughs> I don't think they'll let me in there either, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true that, true that. All right, well, this is the brother Dave here, so it's an absolute pleasure to have you on, my bro. So the brother Dave here is, um, you know, doing living his best life at the moment over there in Queensland and, uh, you know, doing the right things. And um, But obviously this man has a story of redemption. That's why he's on the show. And, um, you know, brother, you've, you know, you've done quite a bit, you know, you've lived, uh, you've lived a few different lives and things, you know. So this man has, um, well, he started off uh, sort of in the military, um, well, no, sorry, the Navy. So he served in the Navy and, uh, you know, he ended up in a military prison. And as we will go into, there's a reason why those places, you don't hear about them much, you know, what goes on inside those places. So the brother Dave, he'll be able to give us a bit of insight into that. And then also, you know, from there, he uh, actually lived the club life and actually climbed the ranks to the top there and was president for a bit there so he knows all about the laws in Queensland in relation to bikey association and those Vlad laws which are pretty tough and it'll actually be interesting to hear about those laws because they're actually implementing them in New Zealand at the moment so there's a, definitely going to be a shift here in the scene and um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to hear about that stuff but in the end Dave was able to transcend obviously and like I said, now he's living his best life and he wants to share his testimony of what he's gone through and hopefully lift another brother up or lift another sister up out of that those dark spots and those dark situations, which is what we're all about here on the show. We're all about bringing the dark to light. So um, anyway, again, Brother David, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's been a tough old trot, let me tell you. Military jail was a... It was hectic, bro. It was uh, something. I've been locked up, but not, not never done big lags, you know, but I've been in a lot of lockups and uh, all around Australia and know the routines. And I never joined the Navy until I was 26, so I'd been around and uh, I'd been on the verge of club life, you know, hanging around and doing stuff. And Well, b before you go into that, brother, so, so where did you grow up, bro? How was it uh, growing up in in Newcastle? Oh, bro, I lived in a little town called Stockton and we were like a little country town right on the beach, isolated from Newcastle, but we were a three-minute ferry ride, you know what I mean? But 
we had to cross bridges and that to get there. And it was unreal surfing, skateboarding. We were, we were the crew that I hung around with. We were, yeah, we were, we were pretty, you know, we were, we were before the, you know, not saying that we were anything like the Bra Boys, no, nothing like, but we were localism. We were local, all about localism and our beach, you know what I mean? And, and we ruled the beach and, you know, we were pretty violent in the surf and a lot of fights with uh, people coming to surf our break and a lot of beach parties, a lot of fights, a lot of pubs. And then, you know, we were kind of the outcasts. We got the drugs and, you know, I played footy as well, loved me footy. And uh, I was pretty, I played for New South Wales country team when I was younger and, you know, scored over 200 points in a couple of seasons in a row. And, but back then it was violent. You know, I was brought up in the 70s and 80s playing football and I played front row. So you had to be violent, you know, and, and that was, I never had a dad, you know, I was brought up by my mum and my granny, single parent, no, no license, nothing like that, you know, and never had a car. So my mum, she put it into me that I had to be the protector of the family and take, and the football, I love watching, my favourite team was Western Suburbs, the most violent team in the Sydney competition. <laughs> And they were at their height of being violent, and uh, you know, so I copied him that those, and and that went into the surfing too, you know, and our little crew, and then the drinking and the drugs come in, the old school speed, and uh, heroin come in, at a, and we all had a chop at that. Don't worry about that. And then you know, the crime and the fight it was getting bad, and I met a girl and whatnot. So I moved. I started. I thought, you know, and plus I thought. I, you know, yeah, like me balls are jocked. I thought, you know, that I've been fighting every weekend for God knows how long, and then I wanted to get away from that. But it, I went into working the nightclubs and the pubs in Early Beach and Hamilton Island and the Cairns and all that for a few years, and mixing with on the fringe and you know, and on the fringe of the clubs and good mates didn't want to join, you know, but I, I was into motocross bikes and freestyle, and that was just coming out and. But I was always on the fringe, you know, and doing drugs and, you know, collecting debts and all that kind of caper. And uh, then my missus got pregnant and I thought, I'm going to jail for a long time or, or this is going to end bad. The kid's going to, you know, it's going to end bad. So I thought I'll join the military. And I had my pistol license, concealable pistol license at the time. And, I'm doing a lot of competition shooting. So I was very familiar with pistols and firearms and all that and always been around them. And took me, I had a criminal record. So it took me like eight days to get into the military. They kept knocking me back and I hadn't been in for, been schooled for like, you know, 11, 12 years. And, but they said to me, keep coming back, you know, every three months. So I thought, okay, right, right. So I kept going back and bullshit. And I just bullshit. I've got bung eyes, you know, eye tests. They go, I'm going, yeah, A, B, C, D, you know, change eyes. And they never picked it up. They never once picked it up. Even when I got in, they never picked it up. And they gave me glasses. I've got new glasses and got, you know. But anyway, that's another story. But me, me criminal record kept coming up. And um, you know, I said, oh, this is discrimination, you know. This is bullshit, you know. And they said, well, send us your court documents. By this stage, I'd been tried about seven times to get in. They kept asking me back and your English isn't bad, your arithmetic isn't too good, go and get a tutor. And I was thought, I've got to do it. Once I set my mind to something, I set my mind to it, you know? And um, 
<laughs> so you, you've gone from you know like you've said you know you've been around the club scene you know you're hanging around you know sort of dodgy individuals you Boy. know you're, you're getting into the drugs you know so you're fully entrenched so for you to make that decision to enter the military I mean, first of all, good on you, you know, even though, I mean, I guess it didn't work out in the end, but for you to have that go, I guess, you know, to to want to wanna go and do that, I, I, I guess it sort of shows, you, you know, your strength at the time, I guess, even though you must have been on the drugs and all of that, I guess it shows that um you still had that inner, um, you know, go. Well, what's the first thing that happened while once you were uh, enlisted? And I'm on the bus and I'm flying down and I see a bloke, you know, he looks a bit older and we're at the airport and he says, you want to get on the beers, mate? And I said, you want to fucking all bung over? Yes. So we're on the beers and we get down and I'm, I'm like I said, I'm older, I'm expecting, you know, the full metal jacket, you know. And we fly down, get on the bus and it's like a two-hour bus ride to the base at the bottom of Victoria. And no, no one said nothing. I'm thinking... That's a letdown. I was, you know, expecting someone in my face. Come on, no, no, no. Nah, nothing like that at all. And I'm thinking, oh, well, right. And anyway, I ended up thumping a bloke in survival at sea and I, you know, got in trouble for that and got me leave taken off me and all that. So, so you've gone into the military from there and you're sort of, um, man, you've got a lot of uh, luck, I guess you could say, and, um, you know, a lot of those situations. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, how long were you up until? Uh, how long were you? Um, had you been in the navy before that incident happened? Uh, well, I was probably on me probably eighteen months, and I was on deployment. And uh, how was that? How was how did what, what did you get up to in that eighteen months? Oh, I I got posted to a shore post, you know, and, and that's another incident. I had another incident there too. I was I was posted to HMAS Watson, which is you know you know Sydney. It's pretty. Vaucluse and all that, you know, the, the Rose Bay and all that to get to Watson's Bay. It's all the high suburbs, you know. And I'm only the bottom rank of the Navy and I'm probably six months into my first shore posting. And I'm driving to work, Sydney traffic, peak hour, and I'm in my Navy uniform. And there's a bloke next to me and I'm going, oh, can I get in next to you, mate? You know, peak hour traffic in the morning. And he's going, give me the finger. Anyway... We pull up the next set of lights. He jumps out, I jump out. And bang, 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 bang. Lights, this is in Vaucluse. I went to, and the first person I seen when I got on base was the Navy police. And he goes, come here, look at you, what are you? And I told him, he said, we better go down to the cop station and see what's going on. Went down to the cop station. First thing the copper says to me, what did you use to hit him? And I said, oh, you know, I'd been around. I said, I'm not saying anything more to the police cops. And turned out to be an off-duty police officer coming back from night shift. And he was pissed out of his head. I could smell the grog on him. And I got charged, got charged. And uh, oh, it, was, it was an undercover cop. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It was an off duty cop. Coming home, but he was off duty. He was undercover. And he was home. drunk too. And he was drunk. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, that didn't matter. New, and South, Wales, New South Wales finest. <laughs> so that was the first incident. <laughs> Well, so, yeah, so, you, so, you, so you stayed in the Navy after that? Yeah, 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 bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so they didn't kick you out? They didn't kick you out for that? No, nah, I was getting deployed onto a ship. So, And plus I got a barrister. 
you know, because I know the laws and all, you know, I've been yeah. through the system, yeah. you know, and I had a bit of money behind me. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. So I got a oh, wow. so you got, so you got, so you got through the breaks there. So yeah, man, I was going to jail. Crazy. I was going to jail, but because I joined the navy, got a missus, kids. The barrister told the book, you know, the story that they tell. How, how was it though? How was it, man? Like, um, just the aspect of you know, um, obviously you've got your history and you know you've got your ways about you, but how how was it actually, you know, serving? your country and, and that aspect of it. hundred percent. My mates took bets before I joined. They said, you're not going to last two minutes with your temper and the way you are. You go. So they took bets. And the longest bet I think was nine weeks. You know, oh, and so I you beat up. that. So you smashed that. Yeah, yeah I've done years. I've done years. I've done, even when I went to prison, I've still done years after that and got promoted. And But years later they said, you know, I think it's time for you to go, mate, you know. We don't need people. They were changing the navy too. You know, they were, it was you know no more crossing the line ceremonies. There was too violent. But when you when you, sea life is good, I loved it. You know, and it was an all bloke crew when I first got in there, and good bunch of you know hard hard boys. You know, and we took respect in what we do, and they build you up. They build you up to say you're the best. You know what I mean? You and you they make you confident. And coming from the streets where I was confident in some things, and but. I'd shy away from everything else. Yeah. You know what the drug yeah. scene's like. You're the man around the drugs, but away from the drugs, talking to normal, normal people, you're fucking back in your shell and, you know, but the military kind of, it was like a family. I'd never had, you know, like a footy in that, you know, and being around the boys and, you know, and it was it was good. And then you, when you, your first trip, when you go past the equator, they call it the crossing the line ceremony. So all the newbies get on there and, you get a bit of a beat and you used to get a bit of a beat and then a bit of a rough up and, you know, and, but they stopped all that because they said it was too violent and people were shying away. Well, I fucking loved it. So that's the cross of the line ceremony. And, and like I said, the Navy was changing. And uh, the incident happened in Menando and they, um, yeah, mate, my life changed. Like I'd never seen anything like that before in my life, mate. And, you know, you go, you go in front of the captain of the ship and you got legal representation, which usually is a mate that's a couple of ranks higher than you. No legalities at all. No, you know, the captain of the ship, what, he's not a judge, he's not a barrister, he's not, you know, my mate that was representing me, he's certainly not a barrister. <laughs> and he said, well, so this is, uh, this is after the incident. Well, so what actually happened, bro? Um, we're in a little, you know, big drinking back there. The culture was drinking, and I wasn't a drinker, so I was, you know. I could drink, but you know, that was my game. And there was a party in there drinking and carrying on, and you know, and one of the seniors, yeah, what's he doing? I said, oh, fuck off, I'll drink where I want, you know. Remember, I'm older and this is off the ship. So when you're drunk and an officer says something to me that's like, I'm in a bar pissing at two o'clock in the morning in the trough, and I go, good day, mate. And he said, you'll call me, sir. Off. It's three o'clock in the morning, we're pissing bar. You can get, you know what I mean? That was my. And he was a chief. He wasn't an officer, and I told him to get f***ed. And he didn't like it, and we had a bit of a row, and that was an incident on the drink. You know, I'd been drinking. So that made it a hell of a lot worse. Back on board the ship. So what happened at the the sentencing? Or... <clears throat> yeah, well, they, they said you got a custodial sentence, and I thought, you know, Well, so who, who sentenced you, though? That, that's what I was getting at before. The, the captain, who's got no legal... Yeah, no, but you see, this is the thing. Yeah, this is the thing. So I don't know much about this, but isn't it that, yeah, like with that whole maritime law and 
you know yeah, that yeah, yeah. isn't it out on sea and stuff in the ship the the captain yeah, is the the captain can yeah. sentence people isn't it absolutely yeah, absolutely he's in charge here and you're the military so when you go to the prison there's three stages that you go to you back chat right you're not allowed to talk there but when you when you get there if you if you arc up you know i'll say get fucked or whatever you go to a con like a, a cell that's confined itself you get nothing and if you arc up from and it's a padded cell and if you arc up from that you know, straitjacket, and if you resist that, you're five years in a mental asylum. Five years. No ifs, buts, or maybes. You're five years in a mental home. What? You know? Five yeah. years? Five years. And that's a big, you know, and what they do to you when you're in there, like I said, no talking. You only get to talk, talk three times a day unless you're requesting across the red lines to get something. You know, it's 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 the biggest mind... I'll get I'll get to the prison. I'll, I'll tell you about when I got out of court and getting extradited back from Singapore and chains and all that first. So yeah, do the sentence and then they I had to do what they call watches. So we, we went to see and I had to do watches until we get to Singapore. So I'm up for like 24 hours. They put me in a room so I couldn't sleep and I'm in chains and all that. And they give me a steak with a spoon to eat the steak. So, you know, I'm making with me. But when I get off, I've got a, I mean, uh, ch chains around me, wet waist and me hands in full uniform, chains around me legs. They chuck me in the dog box, take me back into HMAS Penguin, which is North Shore of Sydney. Keep me in, the, in a cell there for about five hours and then drive me out to Holsworthy um, Army Base, which is, that's where, in the, right in the middle of that, that's where the um, Defence Force Military Prison is. And, uh, and that's the gates of hell. Once you go out there, that's like, uh, you know, and I, you know, like I said, I, by this time I'm 27, been around a bit, been locked up, been flogged by coppers, you know, been beat, blah, blah, blah. But I wasn't prepared for that, man. I, you know, no way. I was preparing myself mentally, trying to think, but it was, you get out of the back of the dog box and they strip you down and you do the run and then they take everything off you, make shame of you, you know. Point and carrying on, and there's women that you know, staff laughing. At you. There's only like seven staff in there, like about 10 cells, but I've never seen anyone in other cells than I seen two other blokes get in there, army young fellas. And I was in the prison most of the time by myself, the whole prison. And there's 10 cells the two, uh, the padded cell, the confinement cell. And everywhere you go, there's uh, red lines. There's red lines and you've got to carry pack, World War II pack and all World War II falling apart and you've got to mend it all the time. And you get four dressing sections a day and four cell inspections a day and they can turn into 16 cell inspections and, and uh, dress inspections. If you want to go to the toilet, it might be 20 metres away and you've got to cross red lines. It might take you four hours because you, you've got to jog everywhere with your pack. And the, the guards, they're called staff. And you're servicemen under sentence by this time. SUS, servicemen under sentence. And when you get to the red line, you go, you're jogging, you know, you double time. SUS, Martin, request permission to cross the red line. Permission denied. You might be standing there jogging for an hour until they give you permission. You've got to keep, you know, ask again. But you're only allowed to ask twice. So you've got to be timed well. 
you got to leave time and they might say in between, you know, right out you can go. But that happens over and over and over and over and over again. And uh, when you get in the toilets, you know, there's a big toilets and amenities block and that, and you got to clean them with toothpaste and fold the toilet paper the right way. You can't talk. And they give you these things to read, and it's like it's like the Marines, you know, I'm a Marine, you know, like that. But it's 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 you're a prisoner, you know. And like I said, I got mates that are still in now that have done thirty years, and they say to me, no, "We've never heard of anyone like you, man. You know, never ever." And yeah, Veterans Affairs don't want to touch me. I've got put in, they laughed at me, and, you know. My time in that life back in Australia and even in prison and stuff like that, you do actually see a lot of former soldiers becoming um, bikies. You do see it. Um, or, not, say, or, or, or not even that, but just actually joining, you know, that life. Uh, how, do, how do I put it? They're, they're never going to be the same people again, even though what they've done in, in the war. And that's the thing that people don't understand. Go and get extradited back to to Australia in your in your, in your country's uniform for something that I thought was pretty piss weak, and getting treated the way I was. Hmm. All well done. I did me shit and I copped it on the chin. But I've seen a lot of people do worse and so what and, and killing people and blah 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 and and not even get looked at. Wow. You know? Wow. You know, get looked at and and not on the piss. Mate, I could tell you 400, I've seen people bashed to smithereens and hospitalised and, you know, and because of the drug and, and they're supposed to be mates on board and nothing, it all gets covered up. But I understand that's the way it goes. I was too... It was targeted. It wasn't my time, wasn't my yeah. time <laughs> yeah. you know. And, yeah. and, and I, I admit I was aggressive, and, and, and but I was good at my job. I was good at my job, real good at my job, you know, and... Uh, yeah, and I had a lot of support, and I got I got a lot of even to this day a lot of references. People talk, you know, mate, like I said, mates that have been in for thirty years ago. People still talk about it. That was great, good camaraderie. You know, places like I said, I'd never get would have had the chance to go there. Never ever a lot of things that I've done, playing with millions, you know, jumping out of helicopters and you know, gun, you know, my forte was weapons and, and explosives. <laughs> I oh, so you have jumped out of like helicopters and stuff. We used to fast rope, yeah, fast rope out of helicopters on the, on, you know, on the ships and that. Seeing, yeah, do wow. boarding parties, stuff like that. Yeah, 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 done all that because I knew my time was up, and, and the, the kids were didn't want me away anymore. You know, the, the, the missus, you know, we were together seventeen years, and and we were like three, four years into our relationship when I joined, and uh, she, um, she, she never touched drugs. You know, I was I was on it, and she was always good. She'd just drink and, and you know, on a dairy. <clears throat> never touched drugs. She wouldn't even smoke. And then like, she's, and then the ice is about, and bang, she's. So you know, my world turned upside down. It was going good, but I thought, you know, new houses and blah blah blah. And I thought I'm getting out, you know, back to the old town, which was a big mistake. And she'd already got on the by that stage, and. I thought, no, this isn't for me. I got to, I'm going backwards. After I got out, I thought I was going to be in a position where I'd be, you know, doing all right in life. But no, nah, man, no. Nah. And I hurt me back and all that kind of stuff. And I just went to shit. And then I went and worked. And I thought, no, I'll go and work in the mines, you know, get me head out, you know. And that's when I joined the, got into the club life. And 
you know, and it was good because, you know, a club life's about you can't use needles and that. And I thought, fuck it, this is my, you know, the consequences are too much. If, if, if I go back into that life, this is, it's going to be another life, yeah. And I'm going to be around, you know, stuff like that, sweet as. And, but I've got a reputation for not doing that and not being a staunch against it and stamping it out around the areas that we were in and got a lot of respect for that one, especially when I got to the top and, and um, you know, I hated it. I liked all the rest of that stuff. <laughs> and still, but, you know, and I hated, I hated the ice and the, you know, I hated it. I hated what, what it does to people and what it did to my family. Well, so how was the sort of club life, bro? Like, um, especially after having served in the military and things like that, like, how how did that sort of happen for you? Uh, just working with a few, but I, I, by that stage, I, you know, I, I was always into bikes and I, 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 I had a bike, I had a Harley. Well, that stage, and you know, a few of the boys around town, and that you know, and work and that, like, because I love doing burnouts, you know, <laughs> I'd ride it like a two stroke. And <laughs> I had a fat boy, brand new fat boy, and I'd ride it like a two stroke. I think it was, you know, and anyway, that's so, yeah, got, you know, they said coming up a few parking drinks, and I told them I'd been around and want to join and all that, and been around for a long time and partying with them and all that. And, and so, how did your family sort of see it when you joined? Oh, my mum loved it. She always, me, me mum and granny would sit up and watch Wayne Gardner and Mick doing and ride the 500 cc's at two o'clock in the morning, you know. <laughs> when In the 80s, bro, my mum and granny loved it, you know. And when I joined the club and she loved me bikes and all that, and I, 82 year old, me granny was, and I was still doubling around on me bikes. Me mum was 80 when she died, and I was still picking her up at the at the dementia ward at the old people's home in full colours, the nurses had gone, yeah, I did photo shoots with the nurses and my mum. I love the club that I was with dearly and, you know, I love them. Got out good, you know, but um, it uh, after the Vlad Laws, bro, I seen a big change in the club and I, I didn't really like it. You know. oh, okay yeah well so what 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 so how long had you been in the club by the time the Vlad Laws um uh, about, about uh just done a full four years five years five years I'd say um and like I said we were doing great we had you know we just bought our own clubhouse we had you know tattoo shops we had uh you know we had a lot of business which was great and we're all doing good we're all and that's the thing too my chapter <laughs> I was the only one that had a criminal record, you know, like, and I couldn't believe that when I joined. I went, well, yeah, you ain't got a criminal record, yeah. Like, all right. But they were, you know, old school hard men and knew they were good thinkers. And, um, yeah, well, I've, I've spoken about that, that this with, in uh, previous episodes with other uh, boys that were in the club scene and all of that, and they all trip out as well because a lot of people think that um, the, major the majority of club members um, have criminal records and things <laughs> like this, but it's only <laughs> a few. It's only <laughs> actually a, a few. Like I remember when I was in prison in Victoria, you know, when you know, when you see on the news, there'll be, um, you know, this club's been busted or this club's been busted and then you'll see them come through the system. And when yeah. you meet and when you meet them, a lot of the time, they're all first timers, first, you know, and, and some of them are older as well. So how long before you had your own chapter in? Six years, six years, you know, I was up inside your arms and all that kind of business. And uh, yeah, it was probably when I got the president, I think it was, Boy, just uh, maybe a year and a half after the Vlad Laws come in, 
and we were getting hard, we were getting a hit hard, you know. Like I said, the boys that I were with, they were, they were hard, old school riders. We had to, our, our, our chapter, we had to ride a thousand Ks. None of this bullshit 50, we had to ride a thousand Ks. We had to do, excuse me, because we were isolated, you know, Western Queensland, far north Western Queensland. So we, any run that we'd have to go to, it would take us a week to get there to the run. And then a couple of days of run, then a week to get home most of the time, you know? Well. Especially when we went around Australia. We went around Australia, mate. And, you know, we were going, I was going, you know, I'd done 13,000 Ks in 22 days. And, oh. I, and I, had days, I had days off on the piss and, and you know, I'm partying and, and days off. But we, we were riding hard. That's what I mean. We, we, you know, we'd get to the city chapters and they'd go, no way, we're not riding with you. Use it. You just go, you know, because I wanted to pull over 150 Ks and we go, that's not on. Yeah, it's not on. It's not on. So, yeah. yeah. And riding the outback, mate, that's a different kettle of fish. You know, it's like you ride in a pack at night time with kangaroos and all that. It's dangerous, man. And first time I did it, a city boy going, I shit myself. And the, the president at the time, who was a hard old staunch, good, good old school. Um, he said, if you want to ride, and he, he said, I know you can ride, you know. I said, mate, there's fucking wildlife fucking everywhere. I said, no, I'm not used to this. I'm a city boy. He said, well, you want to ride with us? you got to do it. So 140 k's. We sat on 140 k's, mate, you know, drive two hours in the middle of no nowhere, desert, and there was big reds everywhere. I mean, I'm freaking, mate. I'm like, when I got to the pub we were staying at, mate, I was so exhausted and mentally drained. They're all, you know, charging. I was like, no, that's it. I'm going to bed. That was but I got used to it, you know. And I mean, that first time, woo, you know, yeah, yeah, that uh, that worked me, it worked me. But um, yeah, no, no criminal records and businesses and all that. But when the Vlad clause come in, mate, and they're locking us up for six months with no charges and stuff like that, and, and not telling no one and keeping us in isolation and all that, and breaking up families, bro, on purpose and killing dogs. You know, all our dogs, because, you know, we all had dogs. <clears throat> and we had a big yard and big outdoor pools and big outdoor bar and all that. Beautiful, beautiful. Absolutely. We just had it renovated and all that. So they all be, our dogs would go there. So if our dogs got out, they'd run around there, you know. If they got out of our yard, they'd go around there. So when the blood laws come in overnight, the next day, miners come, come out underground, they go, home, their dog's gone. Well, oh, it'll be around the clubhouse. Went around the clubhouse, mate. We'd come out of the dog. I can three of my mates got fucking six months jail because picking their dogs up, you know, because they went on the property of it. Those dogs, they just put into, you know, they ripped the houses to pieces. They just threw them in the house and closed the door, no air conditioning enough, and locked the owners up, you know, and the dogs went berserk in the house. These are pig hunting dogs, you know, and bull terriers, and, you know, they've wrecked the house on the inside, died. So the house is smashed. Old mate's lost his job. His house is wrecked. His dog's dead in the head. He's lost his missus and he's got no job because no one knew where he was because of the blood loss. He gets home to find his, you know, six. We're getting locked up left, right, and centre and losing everything and breaking families up. And, you know, and when the clubhouse closed, we had old people coming up going, we felt so safe with this in our street now that, you know, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? And it just went. Mate, it ruined lives. It ruined people that oh. had no connection to clubs. That uh, 
Yeah, so the Vlad laws were some laws that they put in place in uh, Queensland. And yeah. um, I mean, it's interesting for us here in New Zealand because uh, the government that's just um, come into play now, National, was going to be implementing these laws. You know, a lot of people are, um, you know, talking here in New Zealand about how it's going to look. And so obviously the, this took place in, in Queensland uh, a few years back. So, bro, like, can you explain what happened and the, what what the Vlad laws were and all of this? Yeah, it wasn't even, it was a scuffle in service paradise. And I think, you know, that the government, you know, between two clubs, it, it was nothing. But they blew it all up, you know, and, and um, they just, they, but the flood laws only um, affect two types of people, pedophiles and 1% outlaw motorcycle clubs. Those that, who the people, and it says in the flood laws, pedophiles and 1% OMC club members. I couldn't talk to people in the street, across the road from the street. I couldn't talk, if I was in a, uh, drive through bottle shop and another bloke's in a bar in that pub and another bloke's out eating uh, dinner at the bistro, three of us are all gone. We're gone. We're straight to jail. You know what I mean? And we didn't even know each other are there. There's a famous case called the Yandina Five. There was five five family members in different parts of the pub that didn't even know that they were there. And they'd done a lot of time, you know, and had to fight and use a lot of money. We, we spent, our club alone spent nearly $3 million trying to fight the Vlad laws to no effect, to nothing, you know, and they're using the Vlad laws now on these protesters now. That's what they're going to do. They take the rights off you. You can't associate, you can't phone to call, you know, but you can't be in the same house with someone, you know, and you can't be in the same neighbourhood as this bloke and you can't talk to this bloke on Facebook, you can't talk to that bloke on Instagram if you do it six months jar without it, you know, bang, they can't get you. Oh, you know, well, what about like even tattoos and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, tattoos, you know, $12,000 for a belt buckle and a 1% ring. That's how much it cost me. But when it come in, bang, yeah, yeah. And like I said, overnight, we were criminals. We, had, we, we lost businesses overnight. Legitimate businesses that have been good to the community for a long time. And uh, lost them overnight. Um, weren't allowed to own businesses. Uh, nothing, uh, if you're a, a member... Um, you're not allowed to own no business. You're not allowed to have your name on no businesses. Not allowed to have no businesses whatsoever. Um, you got to justify your income. They can take your look at your um, banking records, a drop of a hat. Um, look at your um, what you buy, what you sell. Yeah, it's the, the control I have is 100. percent It's like they had my dog in diapers, wanting to see what it's for a week. You know, you know, it's like that. It's you know. Well, if they kept your dog for a week, yeah, they knew it was. They knew me kids because I'd fly home to see my kids in Newcastle, and I knew that was the only way they could stop me. They pulled me off flights. They did all kinds of stuff. Locked me up for you know birthdays over Christmas just to fuck you with your head. And then they knew that my kids weren't there, so they couldn't get through my family. But when my sons had come up, dude, they'd pull them over just to pull them over driving around. Where's your dad? Where's your dad? Where's your dad? You, Go to a nightclub, straight in the nightclub. Where's your dad? Where you know? And they fucking they didn't want nothing to do with the club. They loved it, but they you know they they're not into that scene. You know, it tore a lot of families apart, like you said. You know, because um, unfortunately, a lot of people who were just family members or associates, they got caught up in the mix, and um, you know, it was it was pretty ruthless, like you said, just locking people up just for hanging together, or you know, I mean, so 
Right. Well, well, so up, up to this point, so they've put the Vlad laws in place, and what sort of happened, bro? So you ended up um, becoming president. Yeah, like, well, during this time. Yeah, well, it was a like I said, they were, you weren't allowed to ride together. It's no colours, all that kind of stuff. So, like I said, it, the landscape was changing. Um, no big runs anymore. Only a couple of states we could have the runs in. So I took over, you know, just before. It all kind of just started. I think no, just after, just yeah, just after, and it was it was a shamozzle, mate. It was um, you were it was fighting to keep alive, just fighting to keep your job, fighting to keep you know food on the table, fighting to keep out of being locked up for some bullshit reason that's going to cost you fifteen grand and keep you locked up for, and 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 nothing nothing come out of it. You know nothing will come out of it. Like I said, they had me for attempted murder charge. They couldn't even tell me. Who, who I'd murdered, but they locked me dog up and the rest of the boys locked them up. They read, and the whole house was covered in fingerprints and DNA samples cut out of everything. But they couldn't tell me barristers who we'd killed up, who'd we, but we chopped it up and fed them to me dog. <laughs> they dug me old yard up. And this is just one of, I could tell you a million things like, you know, and, and the rest of the boys could too. But, um, and then it's an embarrassment, in, in, you know what I mean? Yeah, all your friends that you know, your Australian friends that you, you know, they know you're not a bad person, but all of a sudden, you know, there's 60 forensic police going through your house every second day, you know, and they know they, oh, he must be up to something bad. He must be up to something bad, you know. And, and then it would come to the, me, me employers, and the, you know, you, you can't work in the mines anymore, you know, because they're pulling me up from underground saying my motorbike was leaking petrol. And I didn't even ride me motorbike to work that day. And they just to pull me up underground to get me to lock me up and take me, you know, and no one knows where you are, what you're doing, strip searching my girlfriend, and, you know, and stuff like that. And it just making her life hell and everyone around us hell. And, and if they could prove that we were doing something wrong, fair enough. You know what I mean? But no, it was never anything like that. Never any. So, and it's still like that in Queensland at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, but they've just had big raids and all that all through and, you know, we're eyes to women. You know, that's what I mean. And that's what brings the the, 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 the wannabes in, the ones that don't want to ride. You know what I mean? They they think that's kind of cool, you know what I mean? To be, I, I've never seen so many wannabes and, and, you know, blokes that can't even ride coming into clubs after the Vlad laws and that. I think it might have been just to recruit and some stuff like that where, Standards might have dropped in certain clubs and other clubs. I don't know, but uh, it just seemed this. You know, you had to live up the standards and you had to live up the rules and God, You know what I mean? And I, I was military mind, and that's why military blokes kind of joined the organisations like One Percent World because you got to live by a set of rules, and we're used to that. You know, and, and we want to live by a set of rules. I mean, once you take the set of rules away from veterans, and we go a bit wobbly, you know. <laughs> Yeah. You know, oh, so yeah. so during so during that time when the Vlad Vlad laws got put in place, there was an influx. So a lot of clubs started recruiting during that time. Was it? A lot of old school blokes thought this is this, I've done nothing wrong. I'm not putting up with this anymore. So a lot of, including me in the end, I, it got to because my mum was going downhill too, and I didn't want to be locked up. I, I promised me mum I'd never be locked up if she passed away. Mum said to me, "You're a bad bastard," but I'm. I'm not, you know, I don't visit you in jail and you better be, when I'm going downhill, you better not be in jail. I want to see you, you know what I mean? And so it was a promise. I wasn't, there was no way I was going to get locked up for some bullshit reason and then mum pass away. 
No way. No way. I would have. That would have been the end for me. You know. So it was. It was because of the Vlad laws. You ended up leaving, was it? And Mum's health was going down really bad. And the, the what I'd seen the club become. The bike world was changing. That's what I'm probably getting getting at. The bike world, like the military, I suppose. The military is changing, and, and it made the bike. The Vlad laws make the bike. The bike life changed. The one percent world changed. It did. I don't care what anyone says. It did. Didn't do its job to put, get us out of the picture, but it, it changed. You know, you couldn't ride with your mates. You couldn't hang around your mates. You couldn't wear your colours. You couldn't drink together. You, you know, there was no more riding in a pack. So the Vlad laws are definitely changed the the bikey scene, but not in the way they thought thought it would. You know, it didn't, it, it didn't stop it. It just sort of changed the face of it, I guess. Yeah, like I said, it was just a different different world. And and that's what was getting me. We couldn't ride. And, right. and we so had, everyone that wore a patch got arrested, got, got taken to jail. Even the noms, even the the um the, the sons, you know, associates, yeah, man. They all hundred percent. So Every, what happened and they locked the women up, they tried locking the women up too. Don't worry about that. But how did that whole process go when you sort of I uh, wanted to walk away from the club life, bro? Like I said, mum was getting bad, and and I they understood my biggest worry, you know, with the Vlad laws, you know, because that's the way they knew they could get me. And yeah, and then when the time was time to come, it was just getting too hectic, bro. Like I like I said, I knew I was going to go and do a big lag, and the rest of the boys. They were, by that time, we'd lost numbers big time. We'd lost a bit of upper, but upheaval because of the pressure that had been put on everyone you know i'm not this not you know talking down any of the boys you know there's a few boys that they the t time was right for them to get out too you know what i mean so a, a lot of the older boys you know and um so yeah and i thought to myself well, i don't want the young gangsters and the you know the blokes that aren't into riding some of them got bikes and they're wearing you know other clubs and that were cutoffs with pouches and I didn't want to be involved in anything like that. Yeah. Well, like yeah. I said, man, you know, here in New Zealand, the laws are changing, bro. So all of that stuff that you're talking about in Queensland, this is what they're implementing here in New yeah. Zealand now. So that's why I said, man, it's sort of good to get your insights. So they really did crack down. Eh? I mean, I was in Aussie yeah. when they when the, when they were doing all of that. And I remember we used to see on the news, you know what I mean? That a lot of bikies were leaving, bro. You know what I mean? I remember yeah. he left Queensland, you know, and came down to Victoria. And... You know, I know other clubs that lost half their numbers of the national members, you know, and that's a, that's that's hard to recover, you know? And, and, and the quality that they're losing aren't getting replaced by quality people. They're getting, you know, the standards are dropping. It's not the, you know... You're not getting the same quality, one percent bikey. Not a wannabe bikey. Not a gangster. A bikey. Not a biker like they call them in the states. You know, we're Aussie bikies. So there was a danger yeah. aspect. Oh, hundred percent. Absolutely, hundred percent. Especially you know when we went to other, you know, we were we were isolated. So there are a lot of places that we could be picked off quite easy if you get me drift. So what happened, bro, when you when you left that uh, world behind, man? So how how was oh. that transition for you, man? Bro, at the start, you know, oh man, it was itchy because I was getting offers and that, you know. And I tell you, it was um, uh, it was hard, man. 
it's um yeah it's a big change it's a big change it's it's you know not having that support group around you too you know it's um yeah it uh it, i felt again like when i got out of the military and that you know a bit lost and all that you know and and i yeah, I was thinking going back then, but you know, I kept pulling a little voice in the head saying, you, you want to do a lag, you want to do a lag. No, I don't want to do a lag. And there's things in this world I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the camaraderie, the mates, and being able to go for a ride and, you know, with mates. And yeah, it, it was it was sad. It was sad. It took me a while to get my head around it. Yeah. It was, but it was hard. It was, it was dead set hard getting out of the club and, and yeah, even just go for a ride. You, you're looking over your shoulder. You know, because you're so used to the coppers pulling over, and they did. And, you know, they they walloped me for a long time until I ended up getting the and getting the barrister, and you know, and yeah, they still wanted to lock me up after I got out of the club and all that. Tried to, tried to hit me with the blood laws and all that, and yeah, and you got to prove it. And I said, oh, I'm a veteran, man. I'm a veteran. You know, I'm not proving nothing to you. If you prove to me that I'm still in the club, you proved to, but it's not like that. It's not like that, but. That's the attitude that I took, and after a while, like they still hound me, and it's been a few years now, but not you know half a dozen years, maybe four years. So, how has the last few years been, man? Since uh, sort of on your new on your when when you sort of left that life behind. Life is good now, you know. Like I said, I've got a lot happening. I'm in a beautiful place, you know. It, I'm, I'm I'm fittest that I've been for a long time. Um, still loving riding. I'm in a I, like I told you before, I'm in the rainforest where I live. You know, it's uh, it's it's spectacular. It's absolutely spectacular. Best part, best place I've ever been to. I've got a beautiful home, and yeah, I'm, yeah, it's it's exciting time in my life. And I didn't think it'd be like that when I'm this old. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's all a, just starting up. The journey's just beginning. Well, the, yeah, 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 and I always, I always like challenges. You know, I always like being out of my comfort zone. Um, I suppose that's the military, and I don't know, but I, I, I like, I like challenges. Always do like challenges. You ask anyone. Yeah. No, me but too, brother. Me too. That's where I shine best. Yeah. I find. I'm that's hearing what, you. I'm hearing. That, you. That, uh, that's why me, man, I always um, save everything till last minute because that's where I shine. You know, when I'm under that pressure. <laughs> Bro, hey, like I was saying before, I'm moving house. It's last minute, bro. No planning involved. It's just bang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. That's the way to live life, mate. <laughs> uh, I've learned, you know, it's one step at a time, bro. You know, I, I still suffer pretty bad post-traumatic stress and that from, you know, military and whatever. But um, that's life too. But, I, I you know, I, I, I put my hand up. I get counselling. My mental health is my main thing at the moment. You know, that's it's, it used to be everyone else before, but now it's my mental health. You know, it's that's a big part of my life, making sure I'm happy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly, man. I mean, that should yeah. be a big. That should be the big part of all of our lives, isn't it, brother? You know, making sure yeah. that we're all right in here before we start searching for the things out there. You know, I mean, like you, Dave. Looking at yeah. you, bro, I definitely commend you on your journey, brother. You've gone through a lot of things in your life, so so to see you um out now and smiling and looking like life's just beginning. You know, like that's what it's all about, you know, it's of all the people watching and stuff like that, you know, like you can be caught up in these spaces and, but it's never too late, 
It's never broke. And I believe, I've always believed, no matter how bad I've been in my life or not, I've always had old mate or who I call <laughs> my family, my family. Yeah. I don't call him my mate. Uh, I don't call him boy. You, you, yeah, you I know, get him. You get me, you get me. Yeah. Look, man, we're sort of coming to the end here, bro. And it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, sharing your story here. You know, all we do here is just share our stories because I've just seen the power of it. You know, what it does just opening up and sharing um your story, you know, it's just, um, it changes lives, you know, and it's free. It doesn't cost money, you know. It doesn't cost money. And, you know, like you're helping people like me and the other people that you do, you know. We, we don't get a chance to tell our our story or we don't think anyone wants to hear our story most of the time but you'll you know, yeah, be surprised brother <laughs> yeah but i appreciate it you know what i mean it it, it it helps it heals me is you know we don't get to, we don't get to help people enough and mm. and uh in this world that's what we've got to look towards helping each other you know thank you very much dave very much appreciate it brother all right cheers good on you, mate thanks again